Welcome, perfect stranger. My name is Valérie. I see myself as a nomad with deep roots. I'm fascinated by our cultural differences and at the same time by what we all have in common. The more I meet people from diverse backgrounds, the more I learn about myself and the world. In this podcast, I would like to give you the opportunity to experience it by stepping in somebody else's shoes for a moment. Today, I'm going to interview Pascal. She's a dream guest because she has more than 20 years experience in parent education and she's still teaching classes and workshop. And she also is a coach who has worked extensively with expats to ensure that they have a smooth transition. Here are some extracts to have a better idea of this episode content. Pack, 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 get in the car, put everything in the container, get on the plane, arrive and never have this moment of just stopping and being with this moment, then you repress it and you don't address the emotions that go around it. And you don't celebrate what you had. You don't grieve what you're losing. You don't celebrate the new possibilities, you know, involve the children as much as possible in the process from the beginning. Another thing you have to do all the time during this entire process before, during and after is to keep your own emotions as an adult at bay. We do well when we feel good. So when we don't feel good, for example, through an expatriation, we feel sad, we feel grief, we feel loss, we feel out of control, not in power. We don't feel good. So then we don't do good. And what does that mean for a child not doing good when he doesn't feel good? It looks like what? It looks like misbehavior. So ready to listen to great advice? Pascal, welcome to Perfect Strangers. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Today, we are going to speak about moving to a new place with a child. So, what would you like to speak about first? The first thoughts that I wrote down in preparation for this was that it really depends on the children. So, it's kind of a silly thing to say. It makes obvious sense, but I think it's really important to remind people that we are all different human beings and All our children are different human beings and not all children are going to react the same way. And so it depends on their temperament. So if your listeners want to Google temperament scales or temperament in children, you will see that there is a scale that names nine big different temperament traits that we all have, nine of them. And it's really a very fascinating exercise to print it out and to look for each one of these different nine temperament traits Where we are, we parents, for example, is flexibility or adaptability to transitions, right? And so I would be on that scale from zero to 10, I would be very high on flexibility with transition. I would be like at a nine or a 10. And then my firstborn, Suzanne, she's 21 now, she was born at like a zero and a half on flexibility <sighs> and transitions. So I would have no problem with expatriation. If for her, it would be the end of the world. You see, so it's really important to keep in mind that not all children, even in the same family, will react the same way. So then what does it mean for parents? It means for parents that if something big like a move or like an expatriation is about to happen, 
it's in general, it should be the case. But in particular, when you face difficult situation, it's really important for parents to really know their individual children's really well and have thought about, you know, what is my kid's temperament? What is his area of strength? What are his areas of more difficulty and his struggles, right? And to really just be very aware of each one of our children and maybe even to spend a little bit of time to write it down. Child number one, strength, struggles. Child number two, strength, struggles, and just general temperament traits, just to really bring up the awareness. I'm a coach, you know, so that's what I do with my clients. So a few other principles that are really important. Kids, and most people don't know that. I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but I am a widow. So I lost my husband eight years ago. So my kids who were 10 and 12 years old at the time lost their father. And what I learned that was really important at that time was children are very much in the moment. And like us, we adults, we live in the past a lot. We live in the future a lot but we're not very good at being in the present. Children are naturally in the present. Why? Well, because developmentally speaking, they don't yet have a lifetime of experience behind them to inform the ability to project. So they are only in the here and now. If you tell them we're going to move to, you know, we're, we're, you're, you and I are both from Europe, say you say we're in Europe and we're moving to Singapore, they have no idea what that means. None. We have an image in our heads because we've seen movies, we've seen documentaries, we've seen you know tourism brochures, we've read the news, we have an idea. They have zero idea. So to them, it's just all they hear is we're moving. And then they go like, ah, what does that mean for me in the here and now, right? So children mm-hmm. are very much in the present. Also, uh, they are much less able to project, which is a good thing in this case and a bad thing. So we'll talk about that. And then the last thing is their brains are still so in development and still so much in learning that they're much more adaptable and flexible than we are. So I can tell you the story of my father. My parents divorced. My father remarried. He married a much younger woman. She came from Russia with a three-year-old little boy. They came in the summer, in July, I think. And then in September, he started in a French school within a few months. By Christmas, I think, he spoke French fluently, and he refused to speak Russian with his mother. Just a a small one-time example, but kids are much more adaptable than we are, much more flexible, and they adapt to circumstances. So I think those are just really important things for, for parents to keep in mind. So now you ask me the question, what can parents do before they leave? So one of the most important pillars is communication, and communication includes listening. At first, you're going to be listening to their reaction and to how people react to the news. But at first, you have to tell them. And so it's really important to share the news and to really be very transparent, tell the truth, and to involve the children as much as possible in the process from the beginning. So let's say your spouse just found out their company just asked them, would you like to move to another country to, you know, for a promotion for this job? And so you and your spouse, your partner talk about it privately. And then you decide, yes, let's do this. This is great. So then you, you call a family meeting with your children and you can have family meetings with children as young as two years old. You're the ones who will actually come and sit with you and listen to you for about five to 10 minutes are kids four years and older, but you can still have involved the kids who are younger. They'll just be playing around, but they'll still be listening. And so you have a family meeting and you explain to them age appropriately. So you will do it a certain way for four-year-old and a different way for 13-year-old. But you explain to them appropriately, you know, every day, mom or dad gets up, goes to work. Well, they called us last week and they asked us if we would like to go work in another place. And it's a really great opportunity for mom or dad. And we really think we want to take advantage of it. 
so we are, have decided we are going to move. And then you be quiet. You shut up and you listen to the reaction. Don't anticipate. You don't know what they're, how they're going to think. So just you stop talking and you just listen. And they're going to think and they're going to start asking you questions. What does it mean? Where is it? Am I going to see my friends? Am I going to lose my friends? Am I going to go to school? Do they speak another language? They're going to start asking you questions. And then you start answering the questions. And all the questions you can answer, you, you answer. And if they say, well, are we going to live in a house or an apartment in a city? What does it look like there? What kind of food do they eat? When you don't know the answer, you be honest. And you just say, I don't know, but I tell you what, we're going to find out together. Let's do research together and let's find out together. That's how you involve them. You involve them by really doing all this research and this preparation as much as possible with them. That's how you prepare. You prepare by meeting with them, telling them as much as you know, continuing to inform them. And so what's really, really important is over-informing. Because as you know, I'm sure, little children strive, all children, not just little children, even older children, strive on structure and order and knowing ahead of time. So again, not kids are the same. Some kids are more need that more than others, but still all children need that. It's really important for them. And so in order for you to prepare them for the unknown, you have to prepare them as much as possible. So you describe to them what you know, you show them pictures, you look on the internet, on Google Earth, you go check out what it looks like, you do research, you create papers, you do it, but not just you, them too, you give them homework, you teach them to go find out information, you go buy books on the topic, you read books together etc. And so all this research and this planning and helping them get an image in their mind is going to be incredibly helpful because it is creating preparation, structure, knowledge, knowing. Very often when we are afraid of something, we are afraid because we don't know. We are afraid, in fact, of the unknown. That's what creates anxiety. And so the more prepared we are, the less anxiety there is. Another thing you have to do all the time during this entire process, before, during, and after, is to keep your own emotions as an adult at bay. So if you are stressed, anxious, worried, you know, the, the negative emotions, you can probably show the positive emotions, but the negative emotions you want to kind of like keep to yourself. You want to process them with your spouse. You want to process them with your friends. You want to process them with a therapist, but you don't want to let them be too obvious to your children. Why? Because children are like little sponges. And even if you don't say something, they can still feel the energy. So you really want to do a lot of self-management. Why? Because children model themselves after us and they borrow from our emotional states. So if we're hyper agitated, hyper stressed, hyper anxious, and we speak really fast and they hear us on the phone talking with people and being afraid and voicing concerns, that's what they're going to absorb. If they sense that we stay calm, we take deep breath, they watch us self-manage, then they can borrow that from us. Then they can stay calm because we are calm. Now I have a more concrete question. How do you help your children to say goodbye to their friends? So it's again, you, you'll hear me repeat the same thing over and over again now, but it really is all about preparation. One thing that might happen as a reaction, you know, so you, you explained it to them. They ask the initial in the moment question, which are going to be just to you. They might seem like childish questions because very normally they are children. So they ask children questions. Um, 
but then they might start now it's starting to sink in right and so now they're starting to cogitate and think and now they might start getting worried like oh wait that means i'm leaving my school i'm leaving my room i'm leaving my friends and my neighbors and grandma and grandpa you don't be afraid to actually address these questions ahead of time even you know so let it sink in initially but then if those questions don't come up if they never talk about this they might be thinking about it without saying it which is not so good or they might not be thinking about it and then it becomes part of the pre- preparing in advance allowing them to think through the fact you know this means honey that you are we're going to go to a new country to a new school and you will no longer see your friends they won't be you won't be in the same classroom anymore with your friends or you won't be in the same neighborhood playing with your friends and so let that sink in and help them you know digest what you just said and then when you get to the place well i don't want to leave my friends and i'm sad and i don't want i don't want new friends i just want my own friends that's when you start preparing with them right and so you definitely want to help them again it all depends on the age group it's very important when we have life events no matter who we are to have closings to have openings formal openings and formal closings so if you look at a tradition traditional cultures for example if you go to a village in africa or or in, in places in india they have these very elaborate transition rituals and celebrations for different stages of life like when men become men there's like a whole week long celebration in some villages in africa when women have their first period you have the coming of age of of women becoming women right and so we don't do this in our western cultures anymore so much and it's a shame and so this is one of the places where you want to pay great attention to have a formal closing with a ceremony literally and then you can you should do the same thing when you arrive on the other side and have a formal opening when you get there right and really mark the moment because those are important moments that have so many emotional components and if you just like pack 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 get in the car put everything in the container get on the plane arrive and never have this moment of just stopping and being with this moment then you repress it and you don't address the emotions that go around it and you don't celebrate what you had you don't grieve what you're losing you don't celebrate the new possibilities you know and so it's really important to formalize that so to answer your question concretely offering to your child okay i think it's very important that we say goodbye to your friends cuz we might or might not come back we we don't know when we're going to come back but you know this is the end of this this courier with these friends this class you will no longer have that again so how would you like to say goodbye and so brainstorm ideas with your child if they're little you can give them a few ideas let them you know decide if they're older you just say you know i think it's important what do you think how would you like to do it and let them decide and let them be in charge of really creating this this event the way they want it and involve them involve them involve them that is very empowering and when we feel out of control they they don't have any control here they're not deciding to move they don't have any say in the matter they don't know where they're moving which school they're choosing which house they're choosing you know they probably won't have a lot of choices in this matter so they just have to go with the flow and that feels very out of control and so the more you can give them control in what they can have control over the more empowered they would feel and the more it will counteract this feeling of out of controlness you know i really like the idea of having a formal closing and formal opening to celebrate and grieve and yes 
it's important to ask your children how they want to do it. Going on with the subject of friendship, my next question is, how do you help your children deal with it when they arrive in the new place? Should you encourage them to keep tight contacts with old friends or help them meet new children as soon as possible? Well, my opinion on that question is it's not our business. Mm -hmm. It's their business. And it doesn't matter how old they are, except if they are less than four years old when they're really still tiny, tiny little people. But as of age four, they're big enough people that they know what they want for themselves. And we shouldn't tell them this is not our business. So some of them will want to keep contact desperately. Who are we to get in the way of that? This is not, this doesn't regard us. If they want to stay contact, then it's our responsibility and our job as parents to facilitate that and to listen to who they are and what they want. Conversely, you know, we need to listen to who they are and what their temperament is in terms of integrating in the new place. We can't make them find new friends. We can help them. We can listen to them and see what is their rhythm. Are they hyper extroverted and all they want is they want to go, 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 go and meet the new friends and have play dates and etc. Or are they very, very shy and they need a lot of time with transitions. And so then it would be ridiculous in that case to impose it on them and to force them to be someone they are not. It would be detrimental. So it's all about really listening, really knowing them, really accepting who they are And then just coaching, because we still know what is extreme behavior that's not good, right? Extreme wanting to go too fast can be hurtful because they might be rejected and bullied. And so we want to just like slow them down a little bit if they're extremely extroverted. If they're extremely introverted, we want to give them time to grieve and give them time to adapt and give them time to observe and slowly, little by little, make suggestions and show them, model, you, the parent, be involved in the school You organize play dates with your friends so that they can see how that works. You go to the park with them and talk with other moms or dads and then let them slowly warm up, right? So that's, I think that's how you do this, just being respectful, talking a lot with them, listening, 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 and then just slightly coaching if you see behavior that is really unhelpful and not healthy for them. Yes, thanks, Pascal. It's good to be reminded that we often don't trust enough our children's capacity to know what they need and to decide for themselves. You know, when you arrive to a new place, you feel guilty because it's hard for them. So you tend to do too much and decide what is good for them without listening. Exactly. And something that came up for me as you were talking is, you know, I teach parent education classes. And in mm -hmm. at PEP, I'm just going to plug it in here. PEP, the Parent Encouragement Program, pepparent.org, where you can find videos online and a lot of them for free. So I can't recommend the resource enough. But one thing we teach in our PEP classes, in our parenting classes, is an over-functioning parent has always an under-functioning child. It's true also for grown-ups, by the way. An over-functioning spouse has an under-functioning spouse. It's kind of like what we call in French communicating vases. If somebody overfunctions, why would the person on the other side be interested in overfunctioning? Because the other person is taking over responsibility. And so when we do what you just described, when we do for them, we decide for them, we think for them, we assume for them, 
we're not giving them any space to be and to take responsibility and to take ownership. And, you know, I wrote in one of those presentations that I was giving on the topic, I wrote that giving, empowering them, leaving things be their business also means allow them to feel their feelings, allow them to grieve, give that space as well. You cannot fix everything as a parent. You can be there. You can hold it by listening. You can hold it. You can give them love. You can give them calm, but you can't fix everything. And so if there is grief, grief is not fixable. So you just be there, you hold it, and you trust that they can handle it. And you have to watch them be in pain. That's the most difficult thing ever for a parent. You have to watch them be in pain and not try to fix it because you can't accept that you can't fix it and trust that they can handle it and that they will become stronger as a result. That's how courage is built. That's how resilience is built by facing difficult things. And our children have to go through pain as well to grow. You know, that is a normal thing of life. I really agree with you. We tend to overprotect our children more and more. And we have to trust they can handle painful moments in life and grow stronger. So would you like to add something? Um, what is one last thing that I want to say? One thing we didn't talk about that I think is really important is we didn't talk at all about, okay, so another basic principle that we teach at PEP and that is based in Adlerian psychology is we do well when we feel good. It's so basic, right? It makes so much sense. We do well when we feel good. So when we don't feel good, for example, through an expatriation, we feel sad, we feel grief, we feel loss, we feel out of control, not in power. We don't feel good. So then we don't do good. And what does that mean for a child not doing good when he doesn't feel good? It looks like what? It looks like misbehavior. By the way, same for adults. <laughs> it looks like misbehavior. So why, what might that look like around a move and an expatriation? Suddenly, you have many more power struggles with your child. Suddenly, you have much more sibling rivalry between the children. You might have grades in school that go down. You might have little people that start peeing in bed again, wetting their beds again, right? So that's what misbehavior looks like. What it really is reflective of is the stress that they're experiencing. They feel out of control. They don't feel good. And so they don't do good. And that's what that looks like. So how do you deal with that? Can you, can you answer? I'll quiz you. I've said this in the very beginning. What do you do in that case? It's listen, listen. Bingo, 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 bingo. You got it. So listening, listening, listening. Realizing that it's really taking a step back as a parent, staying calm, because a lot of this misbehavior might be just them borrowing stress from you and they're acting out on your stress, not necessarily on their own stress, but on your stress. So staying calm, number one, because you're staying calm, you're able to realize that their misbehavior that is suddenly increasing is due to the stress and the, the, the grief and the loss and the, the worry and etc. So you know that, so you don't have to take it personally. It's not about you. It's not against you. It's just the circumstances. Listen means asking them questions. I noticed you've been fighting with your brother a lot more lately. Tell me about that. Where do you think that comes from? I'm thinking it might have something to do with the incoming move and with stress. And I know mom and dad haven't had as much time to play with you. You know, could it be because of that? Just helping them raise their awareness and then giving them a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, a lot of listening time, 
have more pillow fights, more tickle fights, tickle parties, more hide and seek games. Just five minutes or 10 minutes can make the whole difference. And you can do it two or three times. Wild dance parties in the kitchen, in the middle of the boxes, you know, just do crazy things with the kids because that will let that negative energy out. It's acknowledging things are difficult, stressful. We're all on edge and it's letting that negative energy out by accepting it and giving it space, you know. And so you will have that before you leave, but you will definitely have that even more when you get there. Because there is an adaptation to expatriation curve. Parents are excited at first, and then they get get tough for them. Kids are depressed at first, and then they might get excited much faster than the parents. But when they start to adapt and get okay, the parents are having a really difficult time. You know, the container didn't arrive, and the house is not what it was. You know, they lied about the house, and there's so much work to do, and the school didn't take the kids as planned or whatever. You know, so they have all this stress. The kids are kind of okay, but the parents are not. And so, again, lots of misbehavior, lots of stress. And so just being aware, calming ourselves down, listening to the kids, having fun with them, empowering them are the antidotes to that. So I just wanted to address that because we Mm -hmm. haven't talked about it at all, but I think it's an important piece of the equation. You know, Pascal, I really wish I would have been able to listen to your words before we moved to DC because my first memories are really of stress. We first rented a small apartment and then we saw on the news that a hurricane was coming and we didn't know how to deal with it because it seemed quite dangerous. So we went away for a few days, five hours drive from Washington, D.C. And then we came back and there was a earthquake, two natural catastrophes, one after the other. And then we had to go every day to try to find a house to rent. And it was difficult to find one. And I remember that it was not easy for the children neither to see these houses. When we finally moved in the house, it rained for two weeks, and that was a result of the hurricane. And The air conditioning was not working. It was very hot, and the person couldn't come to repair it because of the rain. And then we had this big flood in our basement. So there were a lot of things to deal with that we were not used to, and the children had begun school, and I still had the small one with me. And so the first memories are not very joyful. So all what you say, it's great about trying to do something even for five or 10 minutes to just let all the negative energy go away. And I'm not sure I did that. And, you know, the last, last word is when I do a a formal webinar on expatriation with children, I talk at the very end that there is some warning signs that you need to watch for. So some some kids might really go into depression or start anxiety or this. There's normal and then there is abnormal. So there is some Mm -hmm. signs. And if you listen to your instinct as a parent, you will know what Mm -hmm. is not normal. After a while, if it doesn't subside, if it doesn't get better, if it gets worse, then, you know, you need to go speak with a specialist and get some help. But for the most part, most of it is just normal life. There's many ways that you can do things to make it better. It's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be surprises, good and bad. But there's definitely ways, things that we can do as parents to make it better and easier for everyone. As a last word, I would say, as you and I both went through this experience, we know that at the end of the day, children have so much resilience and adaptability. 
and they gain a lot from these experiences. So people shouldn't be afraid to move with children. Absolutely. You're right. The, the benefit to the children in the long run and to us as well, but the benefit far outweighs the stressors for sure. It definitely helps us raise children who are global children and global citizens, you know, and uh, it opens up children's minds so much. So I agree with you. Thanks again, Pascal, for accepting to share all your professional knowledge and also your personal experience. It's really precious. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And I told you before, I'm happy to come back anytime. Oh, that's great news because we haven't spoken about teenagers. Another group that has its own particularities, if I can say it that way. Yes, for sure. That's a whole other chapter and yes. a standalone chapter. So that would be very nice. Thank you again, Pascal. I really hope to welcome you soon again in my podcast. <laughs>